It's shiny. It's awesome. It's cool. It's a piece of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything before. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. And we shall fight at the O2 Arena on July 23rd. 2022 we shall never surrender surrender i fucked it <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to hold on i'm talking brother my name is joe greenwood you are listening to our ufc london preview uh headlined by tom aspinall versus curtis blades and tom ballam are you feeling patriotic up until i ruined that opening part of the uh, the episode uh, Joe, there was some distinct hints of Liz Truss right there. Uh, <laughs> we do have the, uh, the fight for the next Prime Minister, and that made me very uncomfortable, mate, well, to be honest. All right, cool. All right, I'll, uh, I won't do that again, uh, as long as I shall live. Right, uh, let's get in. Like, let's not fuck around. Let's get into this. UFC London is a stonking card, and it's so good that I had to do the honourable thing and put my predictions belt on the line, listeners. Me and Tom are going to go through this card, the main card, and make predictions for each fight. We're going to choose who we think is going to win, and if we get that correct, we get one point, and if we get the method correct as well, it's two points. On this occasion, 12 points on offer. I'm the defending champion. I think I've defended this belt uh, successfully uh, twice now. Twice. I was going to say three times, but I don't want to be too... Too braggadocious. And Tom, let's kick it off hard with the main event. Tom Aspinall versus Curtis Blades. Uh, this is mega, I think, for what is uh, potentially waiting for us in the heavyweight division. Uh, Absolutely, Asp- Joe. Yes, yeah, so, let's go. So, you, you, yeah, well, you go. I'm you go. You eager talk. to get in on the mic. I mean, props to you, Joe, for putting your belt on the line here, but I think you've Ooh. stepped into dangerous territory straight away in a fight like this between Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall, a one that is a fight that's very hard to, to call. Um, mm. Now, Joe and I, just before we came on air here, we were saying that, you know, it's really a matter of perspective who you're going to pick in each one of these fights because, really, they can go uh, in multiple directions, none more so than the wrestle wrestling champ of the heavyweight division the the gold mm. standard of wrestling uh in curtis blades versus the more dynamic striker who has been putting in some submissions of his own tom aspinall mm. joe this is a battle for the top the very yeah. top of the division the winner of this fight they likely graduate to maybe a belt or number one contender uh I- eliminator I think let's let's I'm going to put this out there right now. If Aspinall beats Blades, there's no going back. Like you can't suddenly choo then choo. be fighting. You can't. Yeah, you choo can't choo. be fighting. You can't be fighting a middle of the pack heavyweight. You are then in title contention. And if things work out how they might end up working out, Aspinall could be fighting for a title very soon. Like end of this year into the beginning of next year. Aspinall is on a quite incredible rise through the heavyweight division. He's faced basically no um uh how do I how do I say this but like he's had like basically steamrolled everyone, hasn't he? Like there's been no uh, challenge for him so far. I mean, his stats by the way are quite frankly phenomenal. Can I actually read read through these stats for you? Like it is incredible. So strikes landed per minute Aspinall lands at 7.33 in heavyweight, which is massive, with a striking accuracy of 65%. So that's like two in three landing. Strikes absorbed, 2.65, nearly plus five differential, with a defense of 64%, meaning two or three shots miss. It's quite incredible. Takedown averages, by the way, Blazers at 6.06, Aspinall at 4.07 with 100% takedown accuracy and 100% takedown defense, and two submissions uh, per 15 minutes. Aspinall has been phenomenal. However, the caliber of opponent... 
is not this, Kurt's Blades. This is just it. Now, uh, as much as you're singing the praise there of of Aspinall, let me just highlight this to you, Joe. Your man Curtis Blades has lost to two people in his entire uh, MMA career. One of those is the Covent heavyweight champ, Francis Ngannou, who he lost twice to. Poor guy had the extreme misfortune of being matched up with Francis Ngannou on his debut in the UFC and uh, promptly got knocked out. And uh, was that then Blades' debut? That was Blades' debut in the UFC. <laughs> Welcome to the big time, son. Um, then rallied, went on a significant streak, only to meet Nganu for a second time. Mm. Uh, and Nganu, who was... Uh, on on, on the- that streak, by the way, on that streak, by the way, is that the one he beat Overeem? That is, yeah. That Overeem finish was just absolutely barbaric, wasn't it? That really highlighted what Blaze is really good at if when he's at his best, which is the blending of the wrestling with the striking. Like his ground, like uh, the elbows that he landed on Overeem, it just basically split o- Overeem's face open. It was incredible. It was barbaric. Really, really it, it was really barbaric. barbaric. And then, of course, runs into Ngannou again, as you're saying, who was on a bit of a rough skid, wasn't he? I think well, he lost to Lewis. Ga- yeah, but this is, this is when the resurgence has come. Uh, mm. This is when Ngannou got that new focus and he's gone to do what he's done and become the champion. Now, Blades has only lost one other time outside those those fights against Ngannou. The other one against Derek Lewis, a, a mainstay of the top five. And, uh, you know, he just got, happened to get caught by a shot as he was running in. Other than that, way, it's just straight wins for him, Joe. Yeah, and even in that uh, that Lewis fight, it was just... He didn't need to go for the takedown. He was beating Lewis on the feet quite comfortably. And he probably felt like, oh, I've got to take him down. I'm a wrestler. I'm going to beat this guy on the ground. And Lewis said, after the fight, he was just waiting to land an uppercut. Blaze just ran into it. And it was just ridiculous, really. I mean, since then, he's beaten Rosenstroik. And he's beaten uh, Chris Dorcas. And the Dorcas fight, he did went for zero takedowns. It was all striking. And it he was outclassed a... him. He wanted to make a statement, Blades. He didn't want to be pigeonholed as a wrestler. A uh, bit stupid, really, that he was being pigeonholed in that way anyway, because the man's always carried a huge threat on the feet. Truly uh, giant heavyweight who carries mm. a lot of power. Actually um, has a longer reach than Aspinall going really? in here, even though Aspinall is a slightly bigger man. Uh, mm. I think this is a, a huge task for Tom Aspinall. The, the, the problem I'm having is that um, going into our last... Uh, UFC London event he was fighting Volkov and I I was saying that that was a big test for Tom mm. Aspinall and uh, I think I was expecting him to get tripped up in, in the bright lights of the O2 uh, Tom Aspinall went on to put on an absolute clinic mm. dismissed any doubts blew Volkov away and uh, I, I'm reluctant to say that he can't do the same to Blades but the calibre of Blades is you know it's one step yeah. from the top. It is basically, yeah, because beating Blades, I mean, Blades to me is, even if Blades loses, he will still be a mainstay contender at heavyweight a few years down the line, five, six years down the line. Like, he's just that good. Like, he literally only loses to title contenders. Joe, let me give you a crazy bit of trivia here that I picked up on a, on another broadcast. I haven't been able Damn, to verify uh, it for myself. Tom's trivia hitting us early with this. Coming in, coming in hot. Yeah. Since I started losing these championships to you, Joe, I had to find a, a new a new angle here for me on the pod. Uh, and now I'm the funny guy. So listen, <laughs> I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I did hear this. This is the first time that Curtis Blades is going into a fight as the underdog. Wow. Wow. What do you think that's down to? That's down to Aspinall's last performance, isn't it? And just like that's, how comprehensive it was. I mean, Aspinall was kind of flawless. He was peerless against Volkov, who's who's another killer. Yeah, I mean, think compare their performances against Volkov. I mean, Aspinall, it was a complete and utter demolition of Volkov, whereas Blades wrestled Volkov to death to the point where Blades was gassed out and Volkov ended up taking him down in the fifth round. You know, and I remember his post-fight promo where like he literally couldn't speak from how tired he was like and i don't think he can play that game against aspinall he he needs to have faith in his striking blades he needs to work with a jab 
just have a consistent jab out there and sort of cut Aspinall off like, before he gets going. Mesh in those takedowns and mesh in the feints of takedowns into his striking. Because if you just go into a pure kickboxing fight, you're picking Aspinall to win that fight, aren't you? You are. Of course, you have to pick Aspinall. He, he does have that um, kind of greater variety to his strikes. He's he's a very sure. smart smart fighter who, who picks the right options and unlocks people's defences. But I wouldn't ride off uh, Blade's, Blade's standoff entirely. Uh, you know, the man, like Aspinall, he doesn't necessarily always hold this a high guard. He's not super mm. defensive in terms of blocking. And, you know, I think he could neglect the fact that, that Blades does carry a threat there. It's, it's heavyweight as well, isn't it? It's just this freak division where literally anyone can get finished at any point. I think Aspinall's hands are a lot quicker as well. Like, you're going to see well, that his speed is quite incredible for this well, let me Let me hold you up there, Joe. Like, Blades, he's just fought Chris Dorcas. If anything you're going to say about Chris Dorcas as well, that man's got fast hands for heavyweight. And uh, Blades just blew him away. Yeah, but I don't think Dorcas is the athlete that Aspinall is. Like, legitimately, I don't think he is. And I don't think either, if it went to the ground, so, I don't are think you, Dorcas... Are you bod- body shaming Chris Dorcas, Joe? A little bit. I mean, come Is this on. fat it, hate? It, he does look... <laughs> he does look like, you know, he has kind of, like, deflated, I guess, like, from a much bigger man. Like, he, do, he doesn't look, like, in great shape. No, no offence to him. And I'm not, I'm not a man who's in great shape either. Anyway, I, and again, I think if Blades is going to go with a purely wrestle style... I think he would have to probably use that as like a clinch way of like using up against the fence. That is where he'd have to use it. Because I think on the ground as well, Aspinall's got such good jujitsu, like using like butterfly sweeps to sort of like create entanglements in the legs. I think Aspinall will have a lot of problems for him on the ground. Not saying that Blades won't be the favourite in that position, but he can't like just rely on that purely. He needs to mesh in those strikes from there. Um, Yeah. That that's kind of what my sort of big picture idea of this fight is. You could get into the sort of, you know, the tiny meta of it. I think Aspinall has really good oblique kicks. Like, I saw an excellent compilation of him landing oblique kicks to people's standing legs as they're throwing leg kicks. It just looks so nasty. So, so nasty. Um, whereas, you know, I think I think Blades, as we've said before, it's got very underrated striking, and it, you shouldn't be scared of getting in there, mixing that in there with Aspinall. Big picture-wise, no. I think that's what I'm sort of seeing. Joe, I, I, there's nothing I take issue with there. I guess no. we, the big question we'll have answered in this fight is um, is just how good Tom Aspinall is on the mat. Because I do expect uh, Blades to have Aspinall's back on the mat at some point in this fight. At some, for sure. Particularly if it goes the distance. Aspinall, by the way, has not gone into a third round in the UFC and he could be potentially facing a third, fourth and fifth round uh, I think also if Blades if he loses the first round Blades I don't think he should be discouraged with that I think in a way he should almost be expecting that and just thinking right I've now got to start putting the wrestling in here clinching and just taking away a round from him, taking away another round and then I can start opening up because Blades does have that five rounds advantages over uh, this is This is definitely true Joe I mean if you're game planning for Curtis Blades Hopefully it lives in the memory the way he has lost those previous fights, you know, yeah. especially the the second fight to Ngannou where he just overeager, shot in and got uh, got clipped with and one of those uppercuts pretty. Uh, yeah, was it, it, it was 45 it, it, seconds. Or yeah, it was like a big that. sort of, yeah, Ngannou, like Blades was kind of like giving these sort of big motions and then Ngannou just threw this massive one-two down the middle and just then swarmed Blades. It was just... Yeah, I mean, it was maybe a little bit early, you could say, but then also, like, do we really need to see Blades, you know, comatose from an Nganu shot like Rosenstroke was? You don't need to. There were no questions for me in that. No. Venture. I mean, I, I just, uh, I think, Fra- uh, sorry, Francis, he he looms over every heavyweight fight these days. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, Blades needs to be patient, and I think he will be. Mm. Are you ready to right. hear my prediction, Joe? You lay the prediction down first. You go first. As the reigning champ, it is your right to decide. No, no, you go first. You go first. You seem very eager. I just... Curtis Blades is fighting, Joe. You have to pick him. And that's what I've done. I've gone for Curtis Blades by KO. What? By Hellbow, Joe, specifically. Are you you thinking maybe later on in the fight? 
I, I'm thinking that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a, a tired uh, Aspinall who's lost his pep, who isn't able to get out of the way of that grappling game of of uh, Blades. Blades mm. taking advantage and uh, and finishing him off. Mm. Another thing I can see here is that you know if they are to trade on the feet, I think Blades will catch Aspinall. And just give Aspinall that kind of little motion, you know, where um, mm. he's a bit unsteady on his feet. And I that, think that that will lead to is, a takedown, Joe. There is a good chance of that happening. Uh, I'm going to lay my prediction out there for you. I've gone for Aspinall by knockout. Uh, I think uh, Aspinall, he will be the quicker fighter early on. And I can see him landing on Blaze, heavy shots, and forcing Blaze to like, throw like a panic takedown. And I think... If Aspinall can stuff a couple of those takedowns, which I think he might be able to do, I'm kind of envisioning here a sort of late first round, second round finish for Aspinall. I think he's going to really put it on Blades early on, and I think he's going to get the better of him in the kickboxing early on, and it's going to be up to Blades to get through that. If it gets into the second, third round, then we're going to see some questions there of Aspinall that we've not seen asked of him. But based purely on what I've seen so far of Aspinall's career and how he's continually pushing through and like we don't know what this guy's ceiling is i've got to go with aspinall aspinall by knockout for me i mean that's a that's a picture you painted there and as i say you've you've, you've sold that image to me it really is a matter of perspective uh, it's just a question you know will blades get, get caught in the headlights you know will he um make the same mistakes he's made in the past i mm. like to think that men they learn they evolve they grow <laughs> I am hoping that Curtis has done the same. Although, of course, I'd love to see a homegrown champ go on. Uh, but for the sake of my integrity on the uh, on the yeah. predictions game, I need a Curtis Blades who's matured. Damn. Damn. You really, really put a lot of pressure on Curtis there. Uh, should we go into the co-main event? An interesting co-main event here. Uh, in the middleweight division, uh, Jack Hermanson is back. Uh, to face Chris Curtis, who's stepping in on three weeks' notice for Darren Till, who had to drop out uh, due to injury. Uh, we'll talk about Till in a moment, but let's. I think the story here is Curtis, isn't it? Like it has to be. This is the the main thing. This is a guy who, in 2018, I think it was, was on the Contender series, uh, had a knockout win and didn't get signed by Dana White. He then retired, then went off and had some fights in the PFL that were underwhelming got signed to the UFC and his debut with Phil Hawes knocks him out and then is unstoppable basically he's had one hell of a run basically this cult hero of the regional scene in in America has turned it round into co-main eventing UFC events in front of 20,000 people this is incredible um, never give up Joe never give up eight eight fight win streak like that's really really impressive really impressive the, the other thing to note of course is chris curtis he is 35 years old you know this is all coming really late in his career and it's uh it's not at heavyweight it's down at mid, middle weight and he's actually been as low as welterweight and mm. yet he's found this second gear or even a third gear re- really laid on um mm. in that streak in the ufc that you just referenced he knocked out phil hawes joe Phil Hawes, Phil Hawes has been crushing fools. Yeah, Phil um, Hawes. But as we said before, that Phil Hawes win is aging very well, isn't it? It's aging supremely well, like a fine and, wine. Uh, a fine wine indeed. Whereas, let's talk about Jack Hermanson. Well, Hermanson, I mean, Joe, he he's the opposite. <laughs> he, yeah, he's the he's the he's the antithesis. Not as in that he's a really evil guy and we hate him and we want him to lose. Yeah. Uh, but that his his career has really seemed to pl- have plateaued. He yeah. seems to me, Joe, like he's on the way down. He's lost three of his last five. Mm. Uh, the guys he's Shabazian and Gastelum were the last two wins. So if a win over Phil Hawes is aging like fine wine, <laughs> <laughs> then what is a win over Edmund Shabazian? Like bread, like that's 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 aging terribly. Like rotten, yeah, rotten eggs or bread. And he did drop the first round there to Shabazian. There's only Shabazian's, uh, how do I say this, his innocence that culminated <laughs> in, in, in him losing that fight. And the other win yeah. was over Kelvin Gastelum that was over before we knew it. All a bit strange, a heel hook inside one minute 30. 
Never mm. really got to see that fight. I'm not trying to take it away from Hermanson. He did get a win over a good opponent. Yep. But you don't know. It seems like that wouldn't happen if they, they fought again. So For sure. That, puts Hermanson in a place where what he's really he looks like he's on the way down Joe do you, do you think he can turn that around here against Chris Curtis I think he can it's all dependent though for Hermanson on if he can land a takedown like this is the constant issue with Hermanson is the ability to get into the grappling exchanges because Hermanson's grappling as we saw in the Kelvin Gastelum win is that when he is in that grappling in those grappling exchanges he attacks he attacks very quickly like and he he doesn't hang around he doesn't want he goes for these sort of he attacks the neck goes for like leg entanglements from there but problem is is that his takedown accuracy 30 percent like that is not good numbers here and chris curtis takedown defense i'll give you one guess at what the number is tom i think i think it's 100 percent, joe isn't it it is indeed 100 <laughs> percent like yeah. and and if you wanted by the way the perfect warm-up fight for Jack Hermanson, Chris Curtis just had it against Adolfo Vieira. 20 takedown attempts. Chris Curtis stuffed them all. And by the way, if we're going to get even more meta on this, Chris Curtis' teammate, Sean Strickland, just fought Hermanson and beat him. <laughs> like, this is... Hermanson here has to show something different. He needs to find a way of getting a takedown of some kind. You know, even for, like, getting into a clinch, maybe pulling guard, maybe getting, like, a trip up against the fence... He needs something different here. Because we've seen it before with Hermanson. If he doesn't get those takedowns, doesn't get that grappling exchange after the first round, that striking gets very sloppy. Like, it's almost like he winds up and he's, like, throwing, like, a bowling ball at you. And it's just, like, it's slow and plodding. It's slow and plodding, and it doesn't carry much thread either, Joe. Uh, and Chris Curtis is the opposite of slow and plodding when it comes to being on the feet. Yeah, that man throws bombs. Uh, yeah. Joe, Beautiful check left hooks. You know, kicks up the up the middle, like he's got really like nice solid striking that you know is consistent throughout three rounds. So isn't this just crazy, Joe? We're here now in 2022, and it sounds like we're both leaning here on on Chris Curtis. Mm. Two years ago, <laughs> we were, we couldn't even. Be- to what, two years ago, to? what two years ago we'd be frantically scrolling uh, Wikipedia and Sherdog. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Um, amazing stuff uh, and just a, really a testament to how things can turn around uh, it does seem really that Curtis is likely to win this fight I, I don't see I don't see the way in for Hermanson so the stage is set for hold on I'm talking brother to get egg on their faces here's mm. your chance Jack Hermanson yes uh, so let me put this out there I've gone for Chris Curtis by decision That's that to me is the most sensible choice here yeah the con- the champs conservative Risk off. I, you took a big risk in the sun the other day, Joe, so I guess you're feeling a bit <laughs> w- within yourself now. I've got to put the sunblock on, yeah. Yeah, for the listeners, I've got Joe on video here, and he is, he's gl- glowing a, a kind of pink. <laughs> pink? <laughs> yeah, blood pink red. Salmon. I think <laughs> blood red is more the colour. Brutalised by the sun. I got uh, cocky. Not- it got to 19 degrees here. Just thought, I'll have a bit uh, of that. It's the three title defences, Joe. Don't worry. I'm going to take this one off you. But here I picked a um, Chris Curtis by decision also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Curtis wins this, a top 10 ranking has to be there for him at this stage. Like, what a turnaround. What a turnaround. Well, we'll get back to that next week. We'll look what could be next for Chris Curtis. I, feel, I don't want to look through Hermanson too much, Joe. I feel like we've really put ourselves on the line here. And uh... Oh, I think if he can get something going in that first round, then Curtis is going to have to try and like respond and like try and get through that round as best as possible. And see, well, like, be interested to see if Hermanson can win that first round. If he can carry that confidence through, because he hasn't really carried any confidence for any of his fights recently. Joe, Jack Hermanson lost the first round to Edmund Shabazian comprehensively. Just all the stars are aligning here for Curtis to go yeah. and win this fight. So um... let's move on to a fight that was potentially being talked about as the actual co main event between us. And if we're being honest, the people's main event here of Paddy the Baddy Pimlet versus. Jordan, is it Monkey King Levitt? Yes. Um, quite something, this Paddy Pimler, isn't he? 
He is, Joe. He is. And uh, we certainly... <sighs> we try to resist getting kind of into these... Um, how, do, how do we say this? Paddy's a guy who appeals to the casual. Yes. Right. I can attest to that as well. Not myself. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a casual. <laughs> <laughs> Joe knows all about Paddy the Bally. What, what I'm trying to say here, Joe, is that he his recognition has kind of gone beyond what he's shown us in the octagon. It's gone beyond his mm. fighting ability. Uh, now, the matchmakers, they're just hoping that Paddy can actually show something to make him worthy of this attention that he's getting. Normally, we like to take a more clinical perspective. But i got to say, Joe, the videos I've been watching in the lead-up to this fight, it's Paddy the Baddy and it's Jordan Levitt. What a character he is. He's, a, he's, an, odd, he's an odd bloke, isn't he? It's very measured in how he talks, but he's got kind of like, I don't know, he's got like a flair to him, hasn't he? That it's just, it's very unique and he's very measured and calm. He seems extremely comfortable in his own skin. To the point of like, it makes you, it it, it kind of puts you off. It kind of, you question yourself because the guy is just so, he's an individual. He's very aware of his surroundings and like, because he often makes like references to like how homoerotic it is. And whatnot, in not in a sort of like an aroused erotic way, but in a sort of matter of fact way. It's like, yeah, when you break it down, what we're watching is kind of moderately homoerotic. Now, I'm not, you know, putting that judgment onto you, Tom, but there that is there, and it's like you put that next to Pimlet, who is this brash, you know, um, sort of loud um, personality. It makes for quite a natural rival dynamic doesn't it like there's been some needle between these two this week it's fantastic show is what it is Uh, (laughs) certainly paddy pimlet is riled up um he is not happy with the way that levitt's spoken about him and uh actually levitt has just been very very clinical in his breakdown of paddy doesn't see Mm. anything special there joe he sees a man who's uh very or offensively when he's moving forward when he wants to strike he's not able to apply pressure he notes that his knockout wins are these kind of check hooks and falling back against the cage and uh, mm. he thinks what if it does come to an exchange on the mat he is the superior wrestler what do you think joe i think most likely levitt is a superior wrestler that is his main skill i mean he's a bit of a his punching power isn't really there, Levitt. I mean, Paddy has been gifted that with this opponent, and that's quite clear from the UFC matchmaking. But Levitt is a strong wrestler. Like, he has those skills. It's ingrained into him. Whereas Paddy is more actually well-known for his jiu-jitsu. At least that's what he claims to really sort of be proud of in his work. Um, but I don't think that's really going to get the fans on side, his jiu-jitsu skills, is it, in the UK? They want to see knockouts. And that's what Paddy has promised this week. I think if Paddy is going to go down that way, it is what, as Levitt says, you know, it's check left hooks and it's going to be pushing you back to the fence and then unloading from there. Uh, Paddy is sort of like, uses the sort of like, as he says, the left side of his, uh, uh, left side is where most of his attacks come from. Left high kicks to push you back against the fence. Left kicks to the body as well to sort of push you back from there but it's interesting like watching that interview with Levitt how aware he is of that kind of makes you think that well if Paddy does go down that road or he knows that Paddy's going to go down that road is Levitt just going to circle to his left and into Paddy's right hand knowing that Paddy's not going to have those skills there is Levitt going to have that wherewithal I would imagine that seeing that interview for Paddy has also given him some pause of thought. Like, am I what I say I am? Or am I what Jordan Levitt says I am? <laughs> uh, because I think that was a really yeah. clinical breakdown of of Paddy. And, uh, you know, he's really cutting to the core of what he is as a fighter rather than as a showman. Uh, I think he's set up brilliantly. I do think it's fair, Joe. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Paddy. There's a couple of couple of reels from Cage Warriors and of course his quite explosive run in the UFC. That's that's been a lot of fun. I can't say yeah. I've l- watched any of these fights and thought that's a future champ, Joe. I thought that's that's a guy who's who's uh, very <sighs> very chinny. He backs out with his very chin way chinny. up in the air and he loves to swang. Um I I mean, listen, I haven't been convinced. Nothing- there's nothing wrong with that. That makes for an incredibly entertaining fighter. But, you know, 
in the way of like I don't know who's like a <laughs> this this is such a really unfair comparison but like you know Darren Elkins you know like this is like a guy who's gonna go out that's Shane Burg or Shane Burgos maybe a bit more skilled than this but like you know chin up in the air retreating in a straight line it's not a good idea is it like we see what happens to these guys when that well, happens well, well Shane Burgos doesn't retreat Joe let me just correct you on that one yeah that's that is true yeah <laughs> How, how dare I besmirch the name of Burgos? <laughs> um, yeah, this. I mean, the the bookmakers have got it as a win as a win for Paddy, um, mm. and it's hard. It's a it's a hard one to call. I think it's another one of these fights where you can um, break it down, uh, depending on the perspective you want to take. I mean, Levitt, It's actually his first time out of the country. Uh, he's he's not really comfortable being away from home. He says he never wants to fight away from home again. He already knows that much. That's mm. uh, quite telling. It's worrying, isn't it? You wonder how he is going to react to um, to the 20, atmosphere in there. 20,000 English fans. 20,000 drunk English fans. He said, he said it's going to be 9pm. How drunk can they be? <laughs> Brother, you do not know what you're walking into. Like This is going to be a lion's den. And by the way, he has to walk out first. He's going to get booed to fuck. And then Paddy's going to be given the main event walking from the back Conor McGregor entrance. Like, that's what's going to happen. And the atmosphere is going to be totally different. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. Is the personality of Paddy Pimlet going to be enough to break these guys in the way it was for Conor? It's, it's, I, it is... Like, we talk about it in a clinical way here, but the last time he fought against Vargas, like, I, I, were we watching it together, like, over, like... We were sort of like on a call together, weren't we, watching it? We were, Joe. Yeah, and it's like, when Pimlet comes out, it is different. It is different. Like, there is an energy to it. It's like, you know, I get why the casual fans are drawn to him. Because I work with, you know, some guys who are in their 20s. And I said to them this week, you know, we're talking about UFC. MMA came up because it was UFC London this weekend. And I asked them, oh, do you know any UFC fighters? And the first name they all named was Paddy Pimlet. That is the first name they come out with. And by the way, one of them, the next name that one of them came out with was Molly McCann. So, <laughs> so like, it is very, like, he is a very intoxicating person to these, uh, to these people. I mean, one did go out and say, like, I think he could be a champion. And I'm just like, hold on a second, brother. You have got no idea what he's walking into. <laughs> Bro, there are some people from the Caucasus Mountains waiting for him, and they are not going to take his shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, yes, yeah, you're completely right there, Joe. Bro, Kuta Tilladze, like, come on, <laughs> come on, son. Yeah. Uh, right, let's let's stop fucking around. Lay it on to me, Tom. Your prediction for this fight, Joe. I am gonna resist the momentum. I'm gonna resist the Pimlet tide, and I'm gonna go with ice cool Jordan Levitt. No! <laughs> what? Are you really? I'm oh going Jordan Levitt, oh, Joe. Bro, you've gone buck wild here. This is incredible. Now, look, I am on tilt. As you say, I've lost a couple of belts. I'm still trying to find my way in the world again. Um, I think Levin might be the man to take me there, Joe. That guy, he just, he hits different. And I don't he's mean his punches. He's no, a really no. interesting <laughs> He's a really interesting character. I think by he's going to beat Pimlet by decision. I think he's going to neutralise him. If you lose to Jordan Levitt, that is, I'm not. No offense to Levitt, that's that's damning, isn't it? Like that's 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 you're not going to be a title contender. Like what? Well, well, hold on, hold on. There, is, are, are you are you dismissing the skill set of Jordan Levitt? No, not at all. Not at should all. I arrange for the Monkey King to to <laughs> meet you on the map because the man has a has, he's he's slammed fools. I know Matt Wyman, but you know Matt Wyman was eight thousand years old when he did that. And he turned into dust. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not that enamoured by that win. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I think if Levitt beats Pimlet, Pimlet would probably have to have a serious reconsider, don't you think? It would be disastrous. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, bro. Um, and by the way, like if if Levitt wins, he is getting fed to a monster as punishment like he is gonna get <laughs> yeah Sarukian you're busy pal can you come down here and smash this fool like it's gonna be a bloodbath for him in his next <laughs> fight so um yeah man I 
It's an interesting pick. Uh, I've picked uh, Paddy Pimlet by knockout, by the way. That's what I've gone for. I, I think he's just going to swarm him. And it's going to be messy. It's going to be sloppy. But, Pe- brother, he's, he's going to create the fire. And he's going to thrive in it, I think, in this environment. Levitt has uh, he's never been knocked out, Joe. He's never been wobbled by a man of his own weight, by his own yeah. testament. But Saturday's a new day. Saturday okay. is a new day. We will find out. We will. Um, right. It's gonna. It's gonna. I actually think this is an actual proper good test for Pimlet as well. Oh, I really. You know, if I. He, if my he, first impression, Joe. Sorry to butt in there, but my first impression when they made this was like, really? Yeah. Like that's Same. that's a risk. Yeah. Uh, and I think it might be a risk too far. Anyway, let's get on to the next fight. Uh, Gustafson, he's back at light heavyweight, and he's going to fight Nikita Krilov. Joe, what I can't believe is that Gustafson is only 35 years old. Yeah, he's been around for a while. He's been around for a minute. And, well, I say that, he's been missing for, what, a year now? Two years? His last fight was at heavyweight against Vadum. That was July of 2020. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That was was a weird fight as well, because I remember... Vadum subbed him in the first round, didn't he? And um, Gustafsson looked terrible, Joe. He was awful in that fight. Absolutely awful. Looked absolutely unmotivated. Like he almost didn't want to be there. So I'm wondering now if this return to 205 is going to be the motivating factor. Because against Krilov, I mean, this is a guy... Krilov, if, if you're not like fully up for this, Krilov can easily cruise to a decision win here. Like he can sort of make you look slow and plodding and sort of take away your your tools that you have. But if Gustafson comes in, newly motivated, thinking, shit, I'm looking at this division. John Jones isn't here anymore. Cormier's gone. Rumble's gone, thankfully, you know. It's, uh, maybe this is some new land for me to take over. Maybe this is what we're going to get from Gustafson. Maybe his boxing will be back to its crisp, light self, you know. Glover Teixeira was the champion, you know. He just had the fight of the year against Prohashka. And remember, Gustafsson styled on Teixeira a few years ago. So maybe this is the motivating factor for him there. Is this what it's going to be, Tom? Or do you think this is just him coming out for one last sail of his boat and ignoring all the holes in, in, the, uh, in the mast? It's I don't know, Joe. I, 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 I um. I think your breakdown there is is really good. I guess the the one question I have is not can Gustafsson recapture his former greatness. It's more how great was Gustafsson? He was great. He was great. Like the like. All right. I think the Jones fight is a bit overstated. I think Jones did quite clearly win that fight. The Cormier fight is an all time classic. Like, people forget that fight. That fight was incredible. And he pushed those two to their limits. And they're the best, like, heavyweights of all time. And that guy was just there. Like, that's incredible to do that. That's the, that, that's the I way I've that, always thought about it as well, Joe. Uh, yeah. But then you go and you get subbed by Anthony Smith. After getting smashed by Jones the second time. And like, that, was, that was a smashing. He was taken apart by Jones in the rematch. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was comprehensive. And, yeah, he probably that, wasn't the same fighter after that. Well, that's the kind of thing that's got me questioning. Has the, has the game evolved beyond him? Well, yeah, I was... This one of my notes as well. is like, are we going to see something different in there? Because the last time Gustafsson was really prominent, calf kicks weren't really a major thing, were they? Is Gustafsson going to start throwing calf kicks? Is he going to be checking them? You know, Krilov has stayed in the game. He's been here. He's been fighting consistently. He's been evolving. Is Gustafson going to have actually evolved with those times? You know, utilizing his skills and changing them to what is his surroundings. I mean, I think he should still rely on that boxing skills, you know, um, those linear punches. I think that that is going to be the best way to go. But is there going to be that new wrinkle there? I'm moderately doubtful. 35 years old. This is, and he's been it for a long time. You know, when was the first Jones fight for him? What was that, like eight, nine years ago? Yeah, it's something like that. I think 2013, so nine years ago now. Um, this is why I'm saying the era, it is a different sport almost now. Um, mm. 
Talking quickly now about Krilov then. Now, he himself has been dealt some adversity. He he liked, well, he didn't like, but he he turned <laughs> up at UFC London last time out. Mm. Uh, it was all going pretty well for him, wasn't it? For a, for a three, mi- three minutes 30, something like that. <laughs> uh, this was against Paul Craig, who we're going to be talking mm. about uh, later on in this preview. What a submission it was by Paul Craig. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. By the way, it was 2013 for Gustafson Jones 1. Uh, but yeah, Paul Craig, yeah, who fought Krilov. And by the way, somehow Krilov is further up the card than Craig this time. Is I mean, massive disrespect to Craig. I, I just, I mean, Krilov, I mean, to be fair to Krilov, these are the guys he's lost to. He's lost to Ankalaev, he's lost to Shera, he's lost to Blakovitz. You know, these are world champions contenders you know i mean maybe craig is on that sort of precipice of that but you know krilov is he ruins people's runs basically you know johnny walker he was supposed to get a comeback win over krilov didn't he and then just got absolutely smashed into the ground you know uh maldonado i remember when maldonado got got done by krilov as well like these are guys who were like starting to bubble and come back up and trying to like rebuild themselves and Krilov's there to sort of ruin it for him and Gustafsson would be an, the dual win wouldn't he if he was able to ruin his comeback Tom lay it on for me what have you gone for so old memories die hard I've gone mm. for Gustafsson by decision oh my word well to surprise you, Tom, I've actually gone for Gustafson by decision as well. <laughs> uh, I, th- I I could see this being a pretty decent slop fest. Do you know what I mean? Like old man Gustafson, like breaking out some of his old tricks. Krilov sort of pushing him, and both kind of like gassed in the third round, leaning against each other against the cage. I can see it. I think you can as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I look, at the, lo- I look at the loss. I look at the loss to Blahovic and the loss to Ankalaev, and I think there is a bit of a roadmap in that for for Gustafsson. And you know, it's a nice spot for him. It's the right kind of opponent. Mm. You don't want to be remembered by for, for like Vadum's last win at heavyweight. You know. Yeah, I mean, the thing I remember most about that was Vadum cutting then a three minute promo in Portuguese and crying. That was the thing I, I remember most about that. About well, he was that going, loss. Not going off the rails at the time, Joe. So yeah. I think Gustafsson, come on. If it like like if you got me questioning just how good he was, he wants to erase that. I think he's going to come in hot here. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Right, right. Let's talk about this. Meatball Molly McCann is back, and she's facing Hannah Goldie. Uh, Who? Uh, Hannah Goldie. Uh, not no relation to former UFC commentator. Uh, what was his name? Mike Goldberg? Uh, I actually forgot his name. That's so bad, isn't it? Legend of the sport, and I've absolutely shat on him for no reason. Yeah, Hannah Goldie. Uh, this is, I think she's her third fight in the UFC, and I've got to say I have not been impressed. Yeah, Joe, I saw, I saw some click in there. Uh, so that suggests to me you don't have a video bank memory of Goldie's highlights stored away in there. What's the one, <laughs> what's the one thing we should take away from from Hannah Goldie, what 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 might she offer in this fight? I don't. Well, it's not the case of what she can offer. I think it's going to be how is because we know what Molly McCann's going to do. She's going to come. She's going to stand there and she's going to run at you, just throwing hooks. And then are you going to do the sensible thing of jab one two on the counter and angle off? Is Hannah Goldie going to do that? Does she have that le- level of skill, Tom? Lay it on me. Does she have that level of skill to do Joe, this? I, mean, I have no idea, Joe. I don't know who this lady is, but I do know who the meatball is, and I do know about her last win uh, yeah. because that coincided with a championship win for me. I had complete faith. You picked that that other lass. Um, yeah, based off the fact, by the way, that I saw that other last fight, and do you know what she did? She did one, two on the counter and angled off. And I was just like, oh, McCann's done. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> McCann's done. That's enough for me, brother. But what happened, Joe? It was a spinning back elbow. Ba-boom. After, by the way, total domination. Total, total domination. By the way, it seemed like McCann was just like literally running off the cheers of the crowd. That's like, what crowd- I was going to get to, Joe. That's the key. All right. She yeah. is of the Pimlet mold. Yes. The crowd's going to be popping. Irritating. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I think this Hannah Goldie lass, she's in for uh, for quite the reception, quite the atmosphere. And yeah. as you say, M- McCann, she seems to thrive off that. So yeah, I, I have so picked too. her, but I but I picked her by decision. Uh, same here. I've gone with McCann by decision. <laughs> it is women's Bro, MMA. It's women's MMA. How many fucking spinning back elbows are there? Knockouts in women's MMA. Well, Not Joe... Many. That was the only one of the year up up to that point. The only knockout right. in women's MMA. That, and then uh, Zhang. And then Zhang was the next one. And yeah. it's just like, that's what we're talking about. I'm going to say this as well. If McCann wins, give her a title shot. Who gives a fuck? Like, this would be fucking hilarious to see her versus... Her versus Valentina Shevchenko in the UK. Bro, could you imagine? Could you uh, imagine? I, I, I think that's an absolute massacre. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's talk about some shit that we do care about. We got we got a double boy action here. We got we got two boys. Can you believe this? This is this is tough for me and you. Worlds Paul, collide. Paul Craig is back, and we love Paul Craig, a man who, when he's in the pub and you're playing pool and he puts that pound coin on that table, you better fucking believe he's playing next, and he wants you to finish quickly. Right, the most fearsome looking dude in the UFC, and he loves pulling guard up against. Longtime boy for us, Volkan Uzdemir, um, former title <laughs> challenger. Do you remember that <laughs> when Cormier smoked him? That was that was hilarious, wasn't it? Um, they're it's back. They're back. They're back. Yeah, they're both back, uh, but they've gone in slightly different directions again. Now, Paul hmm. Cray, he's flying, Joe. He's yeah. absolutely flying. Jamahal Hill. That was back in June of twenty twenty one. TKO. Yeah. Do you remember the, that as well? How gr- how grim that was. Triangle choke, armbar, snapped the arm or popped it out, and then elbows whilst he had the triangle in, and the arm flapping around. That was nasty. Savagery is what it was, Joe. Savagery, mm. and then he followed that up with a win over Krilov last time, which was just perfect, perfect. Mm. So we made made a little reference to it uh, earlier on when we were talking about Krilov. But basically, the way that that went down is. Krilov was having it all his own way. Yeah. Uh, until he wasn't, Joe. And uh, <laughs> I think he'll take it from there. I mean... It was a triangle was... choke off off his back. Like, he pulled guard. Uh, he, I remember this because Craig, like, he started the fight with, like, this high kick. Like, just immediately. Krilov catches it. Craig then pulls it and gets the underhook on one arm and just pulls Krilov down to the ground. And it was like what are you doing? Like, just stand up. Just get away from the ground if you're Krilov. And he just stayed there. And, well, Craig got the finish. Yeah, Krilov was foolish enough to think that was an easy ground and pound, um, Mm. that he was comfortable and he was safe there. Now, a man who's not safe on the mat is his opponent, Volkan Uzdemir. Uh, Mm. The defining moment of Uzdemir's career for me was not that loss to Daniel Cormier but a later loss to Anthony Smith a fight that he really should have won until he ended up getting trapped with him on the mat and and subbed that's when Mm. I knew Uzdemir you're not going to be the champ son no he had that tremendous win over Rakic that split decision win that was at what real had to pull it from deep within to beat Rakic who was like surging at the time and Uzdemir was like facing potentially being cut um, but again with Uzdemir when you look at his record the people he's lost to are Anthony Smith Dominic Reyes Yuri Prohoshko and Ankalaev like he's, he's you know these are really good fighters here and he does have to keep this standing for as long as possible that means he's going to have to keep his hands fairly low I don't feel like Craig is a particularly you know um uh, intimidating presence on the feet like I don't think his striking is developed enough and I think Craig even knows that knowing that he uses his striking to basically make clinch entanglements and then to get trips and then to pull guard from there it's do you think he can sub Uzdemir or do you think he can get him to the ground because I think if he can and keep him down there the chance of getting the sub is very likely and so much so that I actually do think that's going to be the case and I have picked Paul Craig by submission <laughs> um, yeah, that that's just it. I mean, Uzdemir. 
He's so entertaining, isn't he? He's great, Joe, and he's had a he's had a brutal run, and I keep wanting to him, for him to get some momentum, but sometimes it's just not meant to be. Yeah. And um, this is not the one. Paul Craig, he's carrying such a threat. He's on a big streak. He's fighting in uh, in London. He's a UK mm. based fighter. I, I expect him to get the sub over Uzdemir. I just I feel like once they're in a grappling exchange, Uzdemir is also going to be nervous. He's got all of that like uh, memory of these losses. He knows how important mm. this is. Uh, losses like the one to Anthony Smith must keep him up at night. I mean, it really must, Joe. It was he was he was he was, he was clearly winning that fight as well. He was clearly winning that fight. And yet, a small exchange led to him getting exposed a little bit, and ultimately, he ended up getting his back taken and a rear naked choke. So, uh, let's. Um, I pick up Paul Craig. Is it? This it's a bit of a shame with Uzdemir as well because he got pushed into that title fight very early, and then the problem is with the UFC is that you know you lose a title fight, you're still highly ranked. It's not like you lose a title fight and it's just like all right, down to twelve you go, and then you can sort of like build yourself back up. It's like. You're basically a sitting duck at that stage. You're, you're there as a mark for people going like, "Well, I saw him lose a title fight, so I rec- I can, I know I can beat him." Well, and it's al- it's also he's ma- he's matched up against these guys who were surging through slightly actually, unknown quantities. Well, do you remember but, the Reyes? The Reyes loss actually. I remember that I think, was in a London I, I, card. He, he won that fight. In my I opinion. thought I thought as the man won that fight. Yeah, I was, I was about to add that. Um, yeah, this is the time, as the You have to show it right now because it's not looking great for you, son. Right. Let's talk about the prelims just very quickly. Tom, pick one fight off the prelims that you're most interested in. Joe, I'm going to pick the only fight on the prelims for which you cannot obtain a Wikipedia link. (laughs) All right? That is a flyweight matchup between Mohamed Makayev and Mm -hmm. Charles Johnson. Now, Joe, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know who Charles Johnson is. Charles Johnson... I did a bit of research on Charles Johnson, actually. Highly regarded flyweight, actually. He is... Um, where's he won? Uh, he's won some, like, regional titles in um, in America. But for me, the, what makes him most interesting is that he is a training partner of Joaquin Buckley. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Genuinely is. And um, on his record, get this, he's got a loss on there. To one Brandon Royval huh? from the uh, the uh, uh, regional scene, but he mostly fought in LFA. That was where he and he was the LFA flyweight champion. Well, this only adds to my intrigue, Joe, because it's not actually Charles Johnson I was tuning in for. It's the other no. man. Uh, it wasn't because I wanted to know who Charles Johnson is. That's not why I picked this fight. I picked Come on, it I because no, no, absolutely, Joe. But I've just uh, <laughs> I. I, I welcome it. I welcome. Mm. I welcome this background information. But what I want to talk about is Mohammed Makayev. Now, yeah. we've uh, referenced him on the pod before. He's got an interesting story. He was uh, effectively a refugee. Came to the UK from Dagestan, I think, at twelve. Yeah, S- something like that. Uh, very different cultural background. A little bit sheltered, uh, and where he found his home was in combat sports. Mm. Um, widely touted as one of the most disciplined, these most motivated um, competitors to come through. And that's, um, in you know, a really emerging MMA scene here in the UK. Mm. He himself has said that he wants to be champ, the youngest champ ever in the UFC. Mm. He's, he's had something like 80 amateur fights. Um, How many? 80? A- 80, I believe so, Joe. I, be- I believe so. I think, I think he's been fighting since he was... 15 something Jesus something obscene like that wow. and uh, he had his debut recently in the UFC it was uh, it was about as good as you could hope for with a first yes. round stoppage and uh, I just want to see can is this the next man to to get the rocket ship you know how how high can he soar so, yeah I mean I, I will say if he does beat Johnson I'm you know going off what I've said what people have said about Johnson I would say this would be a, a tremendous win for Makayev and flyweight, it's a like it's a thin division. It's a thin division. Like if you get four or five wins in a row, you're getting towards title shot territory very quickly. Um, 
so yeah, I think Makayev, if he can stay healthy, one to watch, one to watch indeed. There which, was uh, there, oh, sorry, you. no, well, I'm just so intrigued to hear which uh, which fight that you've picked here. Your your fight well, to watch. There was one that uh, popped off to me, and then I've just realised Jai Herbert is fighting on this card <laughs> against Carl Nelson, Tom's mum's favourite fighter, Jai Herbert, uh, the Black Country <laughs> banger himself. Very much excited for him. No, the fight that's most interesting to me is Nathaniel Wood against Charles Rosa. Um, moving up to featherweight now for Nathaniel Wood. He's been off for a while. He's fighting at bantamweight. He fought Ricky Simone, I believe, and uh, dropped a loss there to him. Um, facing Rosa, who again is a grappler. Wood himself is uh, considered himself a grappler here. Be interested to see if he can get past Rosa. That's the sort of first test at featherweight, I think. Get past a Rosa, then you can start moving up into maybe some more um, tested uh, featherweight uh, fighters from there and if Wood is going to make this his permanent move here be interested to see if he starts to maybe bulk up a little bit for the featherweight division because Wood I think is a talented fighter who don't th- quite think we've seen his ceiling yet and I would like to see if he's able to kick on a bit more from there so that's one that I'm looking out for on the prelims yeah we're always rooting, rooting of course for a homegrown fighter again here yeah, in, for sure. in Nathaniel Wood he has been dealt a little bit of adversity um, so it'll be interesting yes. to see how this move pans out for him. For sure, for sure. You, now, you, Tom, you, you no can't problem. be. Lo- so I was just going to say, you can't be losing to Casey Kenny. And, uh, no, no, yeah, it's, a, it's a bit, a bit of a bad one, that isn't it? So hopefully, it kicks on after that. Right, we have to talk about the news. There's not long. We won't talk about this for too long, but we've got some news here that we have to talk about. Major fight announcements made. We'll start with UFC 279, which is being set for September. The main event of this card is a welterweight fight between Hamzat Chimaev and Nate Diaz, a non-title pay-per-view main event. Tom is shaking his head here. It's the, known as the last fight on Nate Diaz's contract. I wonder if the UFC are going to lean into this or how much Diaz is going to talk about it. That is the main storyline of this fight, isn't it? Because Hamzat here, I mean, let's be honest. I think me and you both know what each other's prediction is here. It's going to be hands up by murder uh, in there. I think we're going to see a potential murder. Or do you think Nate Diaz is going to do the dumb thing of going in there, bell rings, and then he taps out immediately and gives everyone the finger and walks off? Wow. Uh, that would be... That would really be something. Um, I mean, he would never get commissioned again in Las Vegas. It, uh, but uh, it's kind of like the Zidane headbutt, Joe. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. It would the add thing to it, his law. It certainly would. It certainly was. The thing is that Zidane, he was actually a, a World Cup winner already at that point and had a glorious <laughs> career. Whereas, and the greatest footballer of all time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nate Diaz has not quite had the same trajectory, although some some talk about him as if he has. So um, I just don't even know where to start with that fight. That is just mm. absurd on every level. Um, I, I, it's... I I just I, I don't even know where to begin. It's I don't know what what planet you have to be on to make make that fight, other than just I, the most cynical. Fuck you, know, you yeah. possible. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's like, I mean, apparently Nate Diaz has asked for this fight. This was the fight he was asking I, for. Joe, I I can believe that as well. Like, if he goes in there and he scraps with Hamza and he goes out there with his pride and he loses and has a, an honourable performance in a in a loss, then I think a lot of people go like, you know what, fair play to this guy. But it's quite clear what he wants to do. He wants to leave the UFC. He wants to go box Jake Paul. You know, he's 37 years old. Think about how many paychecks he has left. Think about all the damage he's taken already in the UFC. Like, this is a guy who is... was on the way out years ago, really. Um, I think, personally, there was a more fun fight you could have done. With Diaz, you could have done a Poirier fight. Could have done the McGregor fight. Gaethje, maybe. I can't, but be- I can't believe they didn't do the McGregor trilogy. To be honest, I think that's that's always still going to be there. He could come back for one fight just to do that. Ugh, ugh. Let's, I know. Let, move on. What's the next piece of news, Jim? Right, UFC 280 has had its main card rounded out. I think that is going to be a six-fight uh, card, though. So there's still one more slot left. It's going to be headlined, or still is going to be headlined, by Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the lightweight title. Co-main event is set. 
Aljamain Sterling defends his bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw. Uh, the right fight for this division? If TJ Dillashaw beat Corey Sandhagen, then it's the right fight. He did. His record says that he won. Yeah. My eyes say differently, but, you know, that's that's not for me to... Um, with their, no, with their respective positioning in the division, you can't argue against this fight. And, um, and Dillashaw, he, there's more there's more juice to squeeze out of him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Forgive yeah, my pun. He, I mean, but, I mean if know. he can beat Aljamain Sterling, this is one of the all-time great comebacks, isn't it? Like, to be able to do that. And then think about the fights that's going to be set up there. You know the fight I'm going to mention immediately. So Hudo for the Bantamweight title yes. immediately would be oh, awesome. insanity. It'd be yeah. incredible. It's uh, it's the right fight. It's the right fight, and I do believe that his other prospective opponent, Petter Jan, has, has also a got a matchup. Joe, against okay, Sean O'Malley. Yeah, this is incredible. That this is. Ab- do you remember what you said on the pod a couple to- weeks ago? <laughs> I mean, you can uh, you can refresh the listeners. Um, if you're Sean O'Malley, you'd have to... Something along the lines of if you've woken up and realised you're fighting Petty Yarn and try and get out of it, and that whoever is facing Petty Yarn, you're picking Petty Yarn no matter what. Like, this is... I mean, big claims you're making here. Joe, that pretty much sums it up. That pretty much sums it up. That's the esteem that Petty Yarn is held in. Mm. And now tell me I'm not alone in that. I mean, Yarn is incredible. Yarn is a few steps ahead of O'Malley and... uh, and um, no contest against Pedro Munoz is not really the setup for that fight. I think it would have been a big reach, even with a good performance over Munoz. I can't believe that O'Malley wants this fight, Joe. I, it's madness. I mean, fair play to him. If he's gone out there and said, like, I'll take Jan, I'll take it. I'm like, you know what? Incredible. I think, though, that Munoz has shown something, and Vera showed this as well, is that if you just switch stances with O'Malley and throw leg kicks then you're going to be able to neutralise him. And those guys, well, I mean, Vera finished him, but Munoz neutralised him. Jan's not just going to neutralise him. He's going to beat him up, potentially. I mean, I'm willing to give O'Malley a chance here. I'm willing to give him that chance. I've got, you know, he's got time. He's got a couple months to train for this fight, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think the trash talk is going to be incredible. I mean, from one side of them, and it's not O'Malley. Uh, I can't wait for this fight. I really can't. Because he's daring to be great. And can he do it? For sure. We love that, Joe. We love that. And it's, you know, the thing is, it doesn't have to happen now. There's time. You just, you don't need to do this. Ricky Simone's back is waiting for you. Just face <laughs> Ricky Simone. Face well, Ricky Simone. And I'm just like, damn, fight Piotr Jan. But, I, I think this is part of it, you know. He's probably looking around there in Bantleweight and he's thinking, well, you know. Might as well I'm, try and jump up there now. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there are you know so many right. of these guys coming through. Like, I'll, t- I'll take my shot. Bro, even Aldo is still there. You know, the, 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 it's not as if, like, the old guys there are, you know, sitting ducks. This is, it is a terrifying division. Right, there's two more fights I want to mention on UFC 280. One that was uh, announced a couple of weeks ago that we didn't talk about was Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady, which is going to be two uh, bulls going at it in the wrestling, I think, in that fight. But another fight that was announced that you do not know about in the lightweight division, uh, one of them has announced that this is a number one contender's fight. Benil Dariush versus Mateus Gamrots in the lightweight division oh my god thomas pops <laughs> like what yeah that's uh that's really piqued my interest my god I that mean, is we, a banger we were talking about where does uh darius fit well a win over gamrot and he's fighting for the belt surely yeah and now, if gamrot wins he has yeah. to be fighting for the i think it goes both ways this is some um, forward-looking uh, proper promoting going on. This is, you know, matchmaking. This is building up the next guy. This is what and, we want to see. And it's on the undercard of the lightweight title fight. Like, the winner of those two fights can line up for early 2023. Like, it's perfect booking. I mean, I've got to say, Oliveira versus Gamrot is fucking not selling that many pay-per-views. Although, actually, it came out again this week. They were talking about the pay-per-view numbers. Oliveira, Gaethje is definitely the highest selling pay-per-view of the year mm. and 
I would say Oliveira is definitely a part of that. You know, people want to give Gaethje a lot of credit. It's fine. Right. One tiny... Go on, Tom. Sorry, I interrupted. No, Joe, I'm just excited. <laughs> you're you're just, so excited. I'm just... I just Yeah, that sounds amazing. I, I just I've, can't... I've got one more bit of news for you. Oh, God. I'm this is a down. different bit of news. This is a different bit of news here. So, it's not a fight announcement. A fighter has been signed to the UFC. A fighter that you and I are definitely interested in. Joining the heavyweight division, Mohamed Usman has joined the <laughs> UFC. <laughs> that beast. That man. Me and you have been obsessed with U- that Mohamed Usman for a while. <laughs> a mysterious figure in the background of Kamara Usman's walkouts, just like, who is that man? <laughs> and then it turns out it's his brother. Yeah. Now, let's ignore his most recent fight, which was a loss in the PFL. <laughs> but my words, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be feast or famine, I think. But you know, Now, but... tell me, Joe, is this, is Mohamed Usman, is he the older brother of Kamaru or the younger brother? He's the younger brother, I believe. All right. I, I believe, yeah, that is All the right. case. There's, they're going to be, they're going to be drilling... Drilling wrestling, forget the past, move on, forget yeah. swanging, forget the PFL, and uh, let's go and grind some fellas up against the cage and stomp on their feet until we win the UFC championship. Yeah, he's 33 years old. Which, bro, heavyweight? He's a baby. He's a baby. Let's like, go. I can't, I can't wait for this. Right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Mega episode this for uh, our UFC London preview. Uh, Tom... You've made some crazy picks. Let's go through the picks again. Uh, starting from the bottom, going back up to the top. Uh, Paul Craig versus Volkan Uzdemir. Both picked uh, Craig by submission. Uh, Molly McCann versus uh, Hannah Goldie. Uh, both picked McCann by decision, if that's correct. Uh, Krilov versus Gustafsson. We both picked Gustafsson by decision. <laughs> now, this is where it gets mad. Paddy Pimlet versus Jordan Levitt. Tom, please tell me what you chose for that fight. I think the obvious choice, Joe. I picked Jordan Levitt, the man whose mind is unbreakable, as you're going to see here on Saturday. By decision. I've picked uh, Paddy Pimlet by knockout. Hermanson versus Curtis. Both picked Curtis by decision. And in the main event, I've gone for Tom Aspinall by knockout. And you have gone for what, Tom? (laughs) I picked Curtis Blades to wobble Aspinall, capitalise and elbow him into the mat. Winning by KO or TKO, Curtis wow. Blades. Wow. Wow. Can't wait. Cannot wait for these fights, Tom. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this bumper episode of Hold On, I'm Talking Brother. Email us if you want at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. Uh, leave any comments if you wish. And spread the word of what is undoubtedly the best MMA podcast hosted by two Englishmen of which one of them lives in Iceland. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our niche, Joe. We're filling it right now. We're filling it. See uh, you on Wednesday, where we'll be cramping... No. Tuesday. Or Wednesday. Wednesday. Or Wednesday. <laughs> and where we'll be cr- crowning a new champ on the Holland yes. I'm Talking Brother yeah. podcast. Well, it's nice to dream. It's nice to dream. All right, listeners, goodbye. Have a, but, have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs>